Hello everyone and welcome to Back of the Grid. My name is Chris and I'm joined as always by Tom. Hello. And by Stu. Hello, my name is Stu. That is you. <laughs> at least at least you remember to introduce us this week. <laughs> yeah, like me. My name is Um We just before we get going, I did something stupid, which is the reason why I've oh. asked us to rush into getting going today. And that's because I'm getting a food delivery done. Oh, oh right, so we're against the clock, aren't we? So we're against oh, the clock, and oh if I have to disappear at any point, <laughs> because they don't bring bags for it these days, you have to bring your own bags, even though it's being delivered. Um, <laughs> I might, uh, yeah, we're under, we're under time pressure, basically. It's like so. the end of Q2. It literally is, it's exactly that. So without further ado... <laughs> Let's talk... I. I Another eventful Grand Prix for another completely different set of reasons, I think yeah. it's fair to say. Yeah. L- let's start with all the pre-race Hamilton business, which is kind of the mm. biggest thing that happened this race, I guess. Um, yeah. So, yeah, he went out the pits to do the practice starts on the reconnaissance laps, as they all do. Uh, initially started in the same place as every other driver, which is like just after the pit exit lights on the right-hand side. Then he asked the team if he could go a bit further along. His justification being there was a lot of rubber down at that point, so it wasn't sort of representative of a grid start to do a practice start at that point. Yeah. Uh, he then trundled on down quite a way down the pit exit, did his uh, practice start, went around and did it a second time. Mercedes say they didn't actually see him doing the first one, which is why they were like, yeah, off you go, do another one. And it was only when they saw the second one they said, they realised at that point the stewards probably weren't going to like what they saw. <laughs> um, <laughs> and yeah, so we, we got the under-investigation notice before... It was before the um, warm-up lap, wasn't it? It was a, mm-hmm. yes. a little while before the race yeah. died. And then it was yeah. a sort of a, a handful of laps into the race. We got the confirmation that he got two five-second penalties for the two practice starts, essentially, um, which were taken as a single 10 second penalty mercedes have sort of said yes it was probably not the right thing to do but also we don't feel like the penalty fit the crime um i mean the the rules on it say practice starts may only be carried out on the right hand side after the pit exit lights drivers must leave adequate room on their left for the driver to pass for reasons of safety cars may not stop in the fast lane at any time in the pit exit i mean what do we think Uh. do we do That's, we think got him. Do we think a penalty was deserved? Do we think it was the right I mean, penalty? <clears throat> what what did I say to you the second it happened, Chris? I said, what's the penalty for a uh, for a um unsafe release? Because this is gonna get judged exactly the same way mm. because a car is being unsafely put in the fast lane of the pit exit by a team. Um and it, lo and behold, it is pretty much the same penalty you'd get for an unsafe release. It's just kind of under the broad category of unsafe pit lane stuff, isn't it? I yeah, think. Un- unsafe I mean, pit shenanigans. Yeah, basically, like, you can't you can't stop where he stopped. No, I mean, you could maybe <sighs> argue it's somewhere like Barcelona or something where it's just a big wide straight line that maybe it's okay, but. 
the pit exit of Sochi is a right-hand turn with a big old concrete wall on the right. So cars coming out of the pits won't have seen him until fairly late. I mean, I, I feel like he kind of answered his own question there where he said, Everyone else is doing it there, but I want to do it somewhere else because it'll be better there. It's like, well, if that was the case and it was within the rules, everyone else would be doing it there. Like, yeah, yeah. yeah. I think the problem you've got is you've you've got cars building up to a signif- pretty significant speed as they come out of that corner. Like that is the mm. exit onto the track, and they're doing a significant speed even at that point, and he's stopped dead in the end of the in the end of the pit lane, like where they're pulling out onto the track. So yeah. It was always going to come under scrutiny as soon as as soon as the stewards saw it. It yeah. was bound to come under scrutiny. I mean, yeah, I think I I do kind of think I think two. I think if it had been one penalty, one five second penalty, I think that probably would have been justifiable. I think two, given just the situation, given you know, given that he'd been told by his team. But as far as to his knowledge, he thought he didn't feel. By the time he'd done it the second time, he thought he was doing okay. Yeah, because he did it twice though. But it's the like if you get unsafely yeah. released twice, yeah. you're going to get two penalties. Yeah. If you crash into two, if you if you cut turn two twice and don't go through the chicane twice, you're going to get two penalties. They don't go. Oh, you've already had a penalty. Like he did it twice, regardless of the team told him or not. It's the team's. It's like it's more the team's fault than I think it is Lewis's because the team have okayed it and then not actually checked where he was going to do it properly i think and there's been mm. it sounds it sounds like there's some miscommunication between the team saying yeah 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 go down there and do it and then him just going all the way down the bottom and then them them not allegedly paying enough attention to say whoa whoa, whoa don't do it there Lewis. come back around and do it sort of further along but inside the pits like and that part yeah. of it is kind of weird as well like the teams have got a GPS tracker of all the cars on mm. the track and they have a life feed of the yeah. onboard from their cars on the pit wall. So for no one to notice that, it's it's an, another uncharacteristic Mercedes error this season, isn't it? There's been a few where they've made mistakes like this you wouldn't expect from them, like the whole um, Monza pit entry thing. It's sort of under yeah. the same category, isn't it, I think? Mm. The, the double penalty was a weird way of doing it, but because like yeah. when, when it first came up on the screen, it said something like not following the race director's instructions one. I just thought that was something that had gone a bit odd with the on screen graphics. And just like a rogue one had appeared there, but then like number two appeared and it sort of yeah. became I think, clear I think what it's happened. Purely because he's done it twice. And to be honest, I agree with the fact that if he's done it twice, he deserves two penalties. What wasn't very clear in the way that it was covered live is the fact that he'd actually gone to the end of the pit lane to that same spot and done it twice. Yeah. yeah. The, the, thing, the yeah. thing that made it more obvious was um, people were basically saying, well, there's rubber marks already there, so somebody else has done it, so where's their penalty? <laughs> then it became very clear that those rubber marks were Lewis's the from person. the first time. <laughs> and it was like, hang on a minute. Because in- initially, I remember me and you, Chris, we thought that the, the other half of the penalty was because they-, they, showed- they said he got two penalties. One showed him pulling off the end of the pit exit. Yeah. The other one showed him pulling into the fast lane in the pit exit, but we couldn't we couldn't work out why that was being shown because... There didn't seem to be anything wrong with that, other than that he could have potentially 
pulled out in front of someone, but you couldn't see anyone he was pulling out in front of. It was so that that I think that threw a lot of confusion to everyone watching it. Yeah, live, that, the fact I, well, that that's, they didn't that's, just show the two the two incidents; they showed one of the incidents incident. and then something completely irrelevant. Yeah, it, <laughs> it was the fact that there were two penalties, but it wasn't. That was the eyebrow-raising thing, I think, about yeah. the decision was that there were two penalties applied, but we only saw one infringement. Yeah. Yeah. It was yeah. a little clumsily handled, I guess, but it's pretty unprecedented, though. I can't remember a situation ever occurring where a driver's penalised for doing the same thing twice in quick succession like that. Yeah. It's a yeah. weird situation. You, you can forgive the... TV director for not do, maybe doing a great job of putting well, that across because it was. A, a really they might weird not have even caught it on camera. They probably yeah, didn't even catch possibly. it on camera the first. Maybe yeah, the first to time be honest, they catch it on camera. I think that one of them, I'm not sure which, but I think one of them, the, I've, I've only seen it from an onboard perspective anyway. It might be the first one. Yeah. I think, I think now, given time, it's managed to be pieced together properly. But like at the time, they, ju- they just didn't. They didn't have the time in all the camera or anything, did they? They didn't have the opportunity to show it. And I think it just threw a lot of confusion into it. But, I mean, I think overall, if you break the rule twice, regardless as if you like of if it was Lewis's fault directly, the team's fault, if the stewards didn't pick it up immediately, they picked it up afterwards, What, whatever the reason might be, he did break the rule twice. So... Yeah, mm. it's it seems weird in the situation, but you're right. Like any other rule, if you broke it twice, you'd get penalised twice. So mm-hmm. it it has to be consistent, I suppose. Yeah. The, yeah. the other the other eyebrow raising thing is just the wording of what was written on screen as well. You know, for infringing race director's instructions. Yeah, that could be it's literally because... anything. That could be literally anything. It, <laughs> like... So the, the the reasoning behind it is because that particular wording that Chris went through earlier. It's in the FIA race director's notes pre-race. So that exact wording and that exact circumstance may not apply in Germany for the next race. It's it's a specific directive for this track. So it, it mm. comes it comes as part of like if you run wide in turn two, you must mm. go through these. Yeah, and yeah. It's not a hard and fast rule rule. Because I saw these arguments on Twitter and I thought it was a bit silly if I'm honest, but people saying, Well, it's not it's not a literal rule. I'm like, no, but well, it it's is. a race directive, yeah. no. And the rules state if the race director's director has a, a, a note within their pre-race weekend um, itinerary, you must follow that exactly. new yeah. rule. That well, is it's like, exactly it's like not just if, there for the laugh. <laughs> yeah, it's like you can go to one kart track and they'll say don't ride the curbs, and yeah. you'll get fl- you'll get a flag for mm. for riding the curbs if you do that. You can go to another track and. They don't mention the curbs, and yeah. you won't get a flag for going on the curbs. You know exactly. Yeah, so yes. it's just different. Different rules sometimes apply to di- circumstantial. Yeah, sometimes it applies to one situation, other times it doesn't. It, it works with what Chris was saying a little bit earlier on, though, as well. Like, not all tracks might necessarily have this particular rule ex- worded the exact way it is, because, um, or this is particular directive, let's say, worded as it is, because other tracks don't have the blind walled pit mm. exit that Russia does. So it, it's something that's like specific of you can do it in the end of the pit lane after the lights, but it's got to be in this area and you've got to be over to the right hand side. 
Yeah, and there's usually like, a little box for him to go into. Yeah, well, I was going to say, I'm pretty sure in Monaco they always paint a specific box on the floor because Monaco is obviously such a yeah. tight track and pit lane. They literally say this is the only place you can do it. Well, in fact, they do that on the grid actually in Monaco, don't they? Afterwards, after practice uh, yeah, sessions, I think, I think after the sessions stars, are ended, which again is another quirk of a track. It's like that, those circumstances give you this variation of yeah that rule. And uh, did, I think it is it. Japan, where they, they sometimes let them do it on the grid because of the slope. Yeah, I think it is. And th- th- like, there's a couple of circuits Brazil like that. Brazil as well. Where, yeah, Brazil's another one. Like Because of the, the gradient of the grid and it being a bit abnormal compared to most yeah, circuits, it's downhill, isn't they, it? they, let them, um, they let them do it from a grid slot. And Wouldn't it, just on a side note, how rad would it be to launch a car downhill at Suzuka? <laughs> In a Formula One car, like they must go, they must absolutely send off the line down there when you get it hooked up properly. Yeah, I almost wish at um, Spa they'd use the second grid, which is after the hairpin, which is just like aiming downhill towards our rouge. That'd be an awesome place <laughs> to do a start from. Make yeah. our rouge and the uh, Radion turn. Yeah, <laughs> you kind of mentioned earlier, Tom that the blame was kind of shifted back towards the team. Initially, Hamilton was given two uh, penalty points on his license, one per incident, which would have taken him within two points of a race ban. Uh, That was later rescinded and the team were instead given a €25,000 fine, which you kind of could do earlier, Tom, but I think that's probably fair because it it was a combination driver and team mistake, I think, wasn't it? I think penalty points for that seem very high. In fact, a lot of drivers, like Vettel and Verstappen especially, after the race said, we're losing sort of sight of what these penalty points were introduced for in the first place. Like They're supposed to be there to punish dangerous driving, not little infringements like this. Yeah, yeah. That's absolutely right. Like ha- for, Hamilton's picked up so many penalty points in the last twelve months. I mean, he's he's still only <laughs> four away from a race ban. And I think it's yeah, it will be three or four be. races time before any of those points expire. And like, okay, you can point at certain instances, but Hamilton's not a dirty driver. He never has been. In fact, no. Jensen Button in an interview recently said Hamilton is probably the cleanest driver he ever raced against. It's it is always things like this though that it tends to come around from, isn't it? If you think about it most yeah. of the time. Yeah, Which yeah, is a look... misapplication of, of, of what the rules are designed for, as we just Exactly, said, like... yeah. Like these penalty points came in essentially because Grosjean was just crashing into a bunch of people for a while. Yeah, Maldonado. <laughs> it, to be fair, yeah, exactly. fair, it, it was all because of Grosjean and the, the incidents at places like Spa, wasn't it? Yeah, That's exactly. Kind of where it's all kicked off. I do off. think they need another look at exactly what they're being applied for because these sort of things shouldn't, be it you don't want to see drivers getting a race ban because they've uh, you know gone a bit too fast under yellow flag and sped in the pit lane a couple of times like yeah, okay yeah, those the, things you... they're dangerous things and they need to be punished but points on the license seem very harsh for that yeah it's, it's really you, you want to be giving them points for stuff like causing causing collisions really is, is a big yeah. one isn't it like yeah. if if someone causes a collision in even in a racing situation, if they cause a bad collision, like obviously Rubin's racing, wheel banging is racing in Formula One, you you kind of like to see that sort of stuff within reason. But when someone just punts someone off the track or like hits them so hard, wheels are coming off and stuff like that, that's where when there's when there's blame to assign, then that's when you should be applying penalty points. Yeah, and I mean, at risk of banging an old drum yet again. 
Charles Leclerc drove two or three laps of a track at racing speed without seatbelts on, and he has no penalty points on his license. Yeah, like it's yeah. funny, that, isn't it? <laughs> it's yeah. yeah. In fact, without dwelling too much on that again, I don't know if you saw over Le Mans. Um, Antonio Felix Acosta at one point overnight he accidentally undid his seatbelts, and really, yeah, it was just after a driver change. I think he got in and he was sort of trying to retighten his belt a little bit more on the outlap and he somehow accidentally knocked them off and he straight away got off the racing line slowed right down crawled back got on the pair radio to the team straight away pitted immediately to get it fixed and that probably cost them a class win but i thought it was interesting the way an experienced driver reacted to that situation as opposed to a kind of young young gun driver mm. <laughs> But anyway, that was many races ago. <laughs> yeah. I'm sorry to... I'm, I don't know if you two just got that WhatsApp from me, but that was meant for someone else. <laughs> Unbelievable. <laughs> I did, I did. And for the record, I'm going to read it out to you. It says, on and an onion, please. Yeah, it was supposed <laughs> to say, oh, and an onion, please. And um, I sent that to the wrong person. So yeah, anyway, <laughs> what was the next thing we were going to talk about? <laughs> so Hamilton, despite all this, was able to make it back to third place pretty easily he didn't even really do much to have overtaking did he he just kind of took his pit stop because he had he started on soft so he had to pit before anyone else anyway and then everyone else just kind of shuffled behind him the only person i really remember seeing him overtake was vettel and that was a formality yeah. really wasn't it yeah he didn't really look at any point to have the speed to catch verstappen which surprised me i thought we were on for a bit of a duel for second place towards the end but that sort of never came about, did it? Do you think nah. it was a little bit a disadvantage though? Because obviously it started on the soft and then gone to the hard. Well, he was on a he's on a little bit of a a different strategy in the first place, wasn't it? Because well, it was just on much older tires. It was on much mm. much older tires than yeah. Verstappen was for the entire um, the entire situation. Like they Which, were, yeah, I don't think that was ever on. To be honest, a, a battle for a second. Like Hamilton would have had to be in a hell of a lot quicker, and yeah. the laps, the tires were so much older as well. Yeah, that it was just never gonna. Especially given Verstappen's race pace this weekend was really good. So, yeah, I think you're always going to struggle to catch him up. Well, that kind of brings us on to Bottas, who won the race quite comfortably. I've seen some people criticized for how much he celebrated the win sort of saying it, it's a lot of celebrated and a lot you know we gave his um to whom it may concern radio message yeah, yeah. a lot of people saying well he inherited that win it's a bit much to be celebrating like that mm. to be honest i think he would have won that race regardless after hamilton's <laughs> qualifying cock up and being on such a worse tire strategy i honestly think bottas would yeah, probably have won that anyway. In a way, it is a little bit of a shame that Lewis got the penalties he did because I was very interested to see the difference between the two of them with Lewis having to start on the softs. And I mean, he was already giving him a run for his money into turn one and two. Well, two and three, as it actually is. Yeah. Wasn't it? So, like, I was very interested to see how that would play out. So, I mean, the penalties put a damper on that. But I mean, he definitely had a good look at it. Like, I think he looked. It, unlike Bottas of recent, where he's looked a bit timid and like he's not got a fight in him when he's going wheel to wheel with Lewis, he actually looked like he was going to take the fight to him this race. And then mm. Lewis took his penalty. <laughs> so, yeah, exactly. 
But, I mean, if you look down the grid at the other drivers who started on the soft tyre, all but one of them either held position or went backwards. The only yeah. driver that started on softs and went forward was Albon. But then he had a grid penalty, so started way back than that car should have been anyway. So you'd expect him to go forward. Like, everybody, the only other cars that gained positions were ones who started on mediums. Yeah. So... Mm, I can see, yeah. Yeah. The, the soft tyre just wasn't... Um... Wasn't good for much other than a single lap, was it? Really, in all honesty. No, not at all. Um, mm. Except for um, Perez, who managed. Yeah. I think he was twenty yeah. laps. Perez did yeah, at the start. Yeah, Perez. Yeah, about 20, Perez's tires aren't real tires most of the time. <laughs> Perez has like some kind of magical charm. The lightest it, touch yeah. in racing. He um, <laughs> it performs magic on tires. <laughs> yeah. become they become a compound harder than what they, they look <laughs> appear to be. <laughs> but yeah, like everybody else, massively struggled. So you are right, Tom. It is like almost a shame Bottas didn't get to win a race properly. But still, win a race he did. Is the comeback on? Forty-four points is the gap now. Nah, no, nah, it's not. Is I it? I think so. <laughs> I mean, it, it it depends on if Lewis and the other side of the garage keep making mistakes. It's like it's not that he's obviously it's not the first one we've seen this season, is it? Like we we're saying, oh, it's a very un Mercedes thing for this to happen, but it's happened like two or three times this season now. Something like this just causing a bit of an issue for uh, and and costing a race win. So yeah, there's probably think, a retirement in there somewhere in the coming races yeah. as well. I'd say I think your retirement. I think the thing with it is that honestly, I think there is something to be said for racing in such quick succession and at, especially at tracks that we don't always visit that often like Mugello and going to Imola and, and stuff like that because it's it's taken it, it's putting teams like Mercedes who are very like regimented and and have an entire weekend planned out to the second it's throwing them off their game and I kind of like that that that's that's how Max is getting a bit of a sniff every so often is that Mercedes aren't quite on their game, whereas Max yeah. is, other than mechanical failures, Max has kind of always been there on it every single weekend, more or less. So it, do, it does go to show that I think the the quick succession and the lack of prep is yeah. screwing with Merck a little bit. Yeah, but I think at the same time with, with Max, he's, because he's sort of pushing that bit harder, he's definitely much more on the edge than the two Mercedes drivers, which is probably yeah, why true. we're seeing the mechanical failures and stuff like yeah, that. I mean, don't forget... the car harder in the first place. Mm. Yeah, don't forget at Hungary, he uh, he binned it on the parade lap, but on the, yeah. um, on the yeah. one of the warm-up laps on the way around to the grid before the parade lap. Um, and his engineers are to basically piece his car back together, <laughs> having it having been in the wall... So, you know, he, he Verstappen's been far from flawless himself. Oh, yeah, not, not yeah, saying totally. had. I was just thinking more generally speaking. Yeah, I think for everyone on the grid, like it, it, it's definitely pushing everyone a lot harder. And oh, that's absolutely. probably why was, yeah, you're right. And in, 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 it's not just Mercedes. I think there's a few teams yeah. sort of struggling a bit with um, with this high pressure kind of, you know, lots and lots and lots of races in a row. Um. I think that's partly why the racing points aren't further up. Yeah, quite possibly. Yeah, maybe. But I mean, they're like struggling to get parts made in time for these races back to back as well. Like, yeah, well, especially when uh, Strolls has been in it. Well, I suppose it wasn't really Strolls' fault, but we'll get to that, I guess. Did you did you have that on the list of? 
Um, yeah, for, for this race we did, yeah. I mean, I mean, the next section is called Turn 2 Shenanigans. So, <laughs> okay, so we're getting closer to that. Okay, <laughs> yeah. we'll work our way towards that. The other thing I was going to say, do you think it's fair to say that the whole Hamilton penalty situation was a hangover from how ropey his qualifying was? I kind of feel like... He had a he had a bad qualifying, which meant he ended up on the worst tire. He was also starting on pole, which is actually not the best place to start at this race. And I almost feel like because of all of that, he was almost overthinking the start, maybe, which is why he was like, "I don't want to do my practice starts here. This isn't representative. I want to do my practice starts yeah. somewhere else. So I'll get the best." Quite possibly, yeah. It's it's probably it's, rattled. It's, yeah, it's it, not very characteristic of him. He doesn't normally let it get to him like that, but it's. It's not like he's never happened. Well, do you know what it reminded me of? It reminded me Mm. of the Lewis Hamilton that Rosberg beat. It's the Hamilton that someone's able to get under his skin a little bit and let things niggle at him. And it kind of felt like that was back a little bit to me. Yeah, his head's just not quite in the Mm. usual rock-solid place that you'd expect it to be. And during the race as well, like he when he was in third he basically said just like show up now i don't like we're not going to go anywhere just show up and let me finish the race which isn't very hamilton you'd expect at that point him to be asking what the gap's like to the guy in front and going hell for leather i've also not got much time for what he said after the race as well i know he's in the heat at the moment he's still quite pumped and stuff but comments like oh well they're just trying to stop me aren't they like i'm not a fan of that yeah, like, he has he has a right to be a bit annoyed and a bit miffed because the team told him like he could go do what he did. So I understand that he's annoyed and he's miffed. But I mean, to turn around and go, well, the stewards are just out to get me or, or whatever. I can't. Well, remember well, exactly it was, how he it was they're trying it, to stop us. Was, they're trying to stop us. Yeah, they're trying to stop the team. I think it was yeah, more than just 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 him. But I, I I'm just got, I've got no time for comments like that. Because be, that's not that's not the game at all. To be fair to him, mm. he um a little while after that when it wasn't the heat of the moment, he kind of rephrased that as um he didn't mean him specifically, it was more just the people who are at the front tend to get a harder time of things. But the media being the media, they've all just latched on to that first heat oh, of yeah, the moment 100%. thing he said and that's what all yeah, the headlines say. So well, I mean, he, he, I feel like he's kind of, I can understand why he would feel that way because they've, you know, they've added engine mode rules and stuff like that mid-season yeah. to try and slow the, literally to try and slow the Mercedes down. There's no denying that that's what they were trying to do. So it comes from a place of feeling targeted and I think he's right to feel targeted. And like he says, like you just said, the top teams do often get targeted, especially when they're as dominant as Mercedes Mm. have been for the last however many years it is now. It's understandable that you'd feel that way. And it's, you know, you got the other thing to remember is there was an added layer, the added layer of pressure this weekend, probably in the back of his mind that he was going to match Schumacher. He could have matched Schumacher's um, Yeah, like that's all the talk was before the race, wasn't it? You know, he's on the verge of being the most decorated Formula One driver in the history of the sport. Mm. Now, if that doesn't weigh heavy on your mind, then you're not a human, (laughs) as far (laughs) as I'm concerned. He's about to become the greatest of all time. So there's going to be... this, This championship, I think, more than any other is probably, other than maybe his first one, is probably going to be the one that kind of 
makes him sweat the most, I'd say. Yeah, I think so. It's it's such an unusual season. Hmm. And that, and that factored in as well. Yeah, there's a lot of layers to this. It's not just a case of, you know, I had a bad session in Q2. I'm 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 therefore you know going to suffer for the rest of the race weekend. That's not that's not why Lewis Hamilton is 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 uh, not performing at his best. You know, and the other thing is 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 putting himself under a lot of pressure in lots of other different departments at the moment as well, which is probably let's let's be yeah. completely honest, probably not helping his season. In that regard, I mean, I'm not going to get all into that sort of stuff, but you know, when you when you spread yourself so thin, regardless of what the subject matter is, when you're trying to spin a lot of plates, mm, totally. there's, there, there's there's going to be times when some of the plates wobble, and that's that's just that's just life. That's just how things are, and this is just one of those small moments, probably, where the Formula One racing plate wobbled a touch, and yeah. he's going to have to just give it another spin and get back on and get on with it. And it's it's like in a roundabout way, it's credit to him and Mercedes that they've been so close to perfection for so long. Yeah. It doesn't take much for us to be going, wow, what's happened here? Like you see other drivers and teams doing mad stuff all the time. At the end of the day, the guys come away with a third place and we're criticizing yeah. him. That's the other thing. Yeah. <laughs> exactly. Yeah. I mean, I don't, I, I, I'm not criticizing him at all. Like, I feel. No, I mean, but we're saying, oh, something went wrong this weekend is what I'm getting at. Yeah. It's very rare that a driver finishes on the podium and you're like, mm, this isn't quite right for this driver. He's like, he, he's had two bad weekends this season and he's got like, I don't know, say three bad weekends. And out of those, I think he's got a third and two fifths or something. Like that's his equivalent yeah. of a bad weekend. Well, he got a first out of, um, if you like, a fourth bad weekend when Actually, the tire yeah, pop as he went over the, like on the final lap of the race. He gets a puncture and still yeah. wins the race. Like, you know. <laughs> <laughs> we'll not go back to that. Still if you want to listen to that episode, you'll have to go back through the archives. <laughs> yeah, crazy. Shall we move on to turn two shenanigans? Yeah. I feel yes. like most of the action this race happened at turn two, so I've just kind of rolled it all into one. Um, so we kind of already <laughs> mentioned the in, in the same race director's notes, there was if you pass on the inside of the curb, sort of on the exit of turn two, you have to take the escape route through the polystyrene bollards. Lap one... Many drivers did that, um, including Verstappen, who seemed to make zero effort to take that corner properly <laughs> at all. He just like straight lined it and then turned so yeah. he had the perfect angle to just stay flat through the bollards and just maintained his position as a result of that. Yeah, um, I don't know how he managed that. I really yeah, it's Because that was tight. Well, it's yeah. it's a weird thing I've seen some people pointing out that the way they'd got those bollards set up meant... It was faster to completely miss the corner and go through them <laughs> than it was to miss the corner by an inch and then have to slow right down and weave your way through them. Like yeah. that seems a really poor design for the, that barrier situation. Yeah, yeah. I don't like, think enough, quite enough thought had gone into that in the first yeah. instance. You, you got punished more by missing the corner by two inches than you did by missing it by uh, half of Sochi. <laughs> Yeah. <laughs> um, they're in the Caspian Sea. Yeah, basically. <laughs> um, Signs also took the escape route on lap one and Ooh. just got the angle and speed of it completely wrong and it just drove into a wall, basically. Yeah. You don't see mistakes like that quite so often. Yeah, that was literally like watching someone play the 4 the one game. For it was very weird, wasn't time. it? 
<laughs> it was really, it was really sketchy. The onboard if, of it is terrifying. Yeah, it, it's almost like he seemed a bit hot-headed and he was concentrating yeah. on where he was going to slot back into the pack and not actually getting through the gap. In the words um, of Lando Norris, he was trying was to be a to, hero in turn yeah. one. Yeah. I knew you were about, about to say it. I knew you were going to say it. I was going to say, it's true, I bet you've already heard this. Yeah, Lando I did the radio for it earlier. It was like a yeah. last minute. We found out at the last minute as well and put that in. <laughs> it's like on the F1 games. If you ever played the F1 games, you'll know that at the start of every Monaco Grand Prix, Jeff, the race engineer, says no heroics into Sandoval. Oh, Jeff. Yeah, <laughs> Je- Jeff's the guy. The Jeff's the guy who wants you to use all your energy, even though you've been using it the entire yeah. Lap. Use your energy. He's, he's a delight. Use your that's energy. Good, you've got plenty of energy uh, left. That's a good philosophy, some, isn't it? <laughs> yeah. We've seen some energy. wear on the energy storage. Use it for the rest of the lap. Like, mate, I've been using it the entire lap. Chill out. <laughs> good old Jeff. Good Jeff. Good old Jeff. <laughs> <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> we what else happened at turn two? Grosjean had to take the escape route later on in the race when Vettel was passing him, and he again he's only missed it by a short amount, and then couldn't really seem to get it slowed down or get the angling time, and just plowed straight through the barriers, which I found very yeah. entertaining. I was desperate for him to do it again because I think that was probably the third set of polystyrene <laughs> barriers at that point had gone through. I won't see yeah. how many they'd got. <laughs> Um, excitement levels were high when he did go off track there again. Yeah, but he didn't take out the, the Ballard thing. He didn't take out the polystyrene. He just kind of drove through them normally. Sadly, yeah. Um, <laughs> and he was the same with Ricardo. He missed it by a really small amount, but and he and he knew he'd made the mistake, but he just didn't have the time to get around them. So he ended up getting a five second penalty. If anything, I think he'd have lost more than five seconds if he tried to go through the escape route at that point, wouldn't he? Quite possibly with where he was, because he was like he was on the apex of turn three, wasn't he? And heading back onto mm. the track at the time mm. that he kind of officially crossed the sausage curbs. Yeah. All in I all, think, just poorly designed, I think. I think maybe, I don't know if it would help or not, but maybe those orange sausage curbs need to be just a tiny bit further away from the edge of the circuit. So that, like, in a situation like Danny Rick's, like, it's recoverable. And the one that Grosjean had that was yeah, almost there is recoverable because you've already had to come to a slow to kind of... You're already at a loss because you've had to come to a slow to control the car and, and recover the situation. And I think there were a couple like those two that were a little bit harsh. And maybe if those curves were just just a foot further back... Then those situations are recoverable, but That's, the ones yeah. that are late, and you could then have to go through the ballards. But I think, I like, know. I don't know, like, they're racing in a supermarket car park at this point. Like, surely they could just mm. reprofile the corner entirely and design it into something interesting. <laughs> design it into a corner that works. <laughs> well, this is what a lot of drivers are saying. Like, George Russell said, it's one of the worst corners on the calendar. But a few of the drivers pointed out, like, there's acres of tarmac there. Just redesign yeah. it because it's just—it's a terrible corner. Like yeah. I, I think it was Russell who said, "Like you've got the space, just copy turn one at Bahrain. Like go a little bit deeper, make it a slower kind of switchback effect, and make it the same as turn one and two mm. in Bahrain, and that would just be so much better for racing." Yeah, and you'd kind of wouldn't have this running wide situation so much either. It's, yes, you yeah. don't. You you could you could make it super high speed. You could you could sort yeah. of yeah, sort of move that that wall back at 
a, a bit and and get rid of the king altogether and just have him fly through it. <laughs> it would be a, yeah, and, and then you've like got sort of a situation where you yeah, and you break it that way. You're breaking that would make um the big sort of wide left hand right. Is that turn four the big wide left hand? Turn three technically. That's that turn one. three. That yeah. makes turn three a very very difficult corner if you mm, send yeah. them through there full speed because they're breaking yeah, I mean, all the way through that corner. That'd be very challenging. If you bring the apex of that in, like which I'm guessing what you're thinking is bring that turn three apex inward, so that it is more of a it's more of a, a fast right left than it is like a, an average yeah, right yeah, that's into a really I'm slow. Like I'm, I'm talking literally like Miguelo mm. um, style sort of super high speed. <laughs> I, I, right I wonder left. if part of the problem is to do with what they can and can't do with the walls. Yeah, maybe. Maybe there's a limit on how far that wall can go mm. out, actually. It could be. I mean, it's not like it, any of that land being used for anything else. Like, move the walls. Like, yeah, but that costs out... money, though, doesn't it? That costs it's money true. to then start dismantling things and breaking well, I mean, things and moving things around. They found fifty billion to build the whole place in the first place. I'm sure I can find a bit more to move a wall. Yeah, I don't know. <laughs> bad corner on a bad track, <laughs> all in all. Yeah, I mean, it's not yeah. the you know, it's not the most exciting Grand Prix track in the world, is it? Like we said in the preview episode, Far it's from basically it. Valencia. With a Russian accent. Oh, <laughs> mm. uh, what else happened? <laughs> Let's talk about the stroll thing. So stroll got taken out on lap one. Uh, Leclerc hit his rear wheel and pitched him into the wall. The stewards did look at it, but took no further action. Um, Leclerc said he kind of got caught out by the wake from the cars ahead and got some understeer. I know. Uh, what, what do you guys think about that one? I mean. Personally, I think Leclerc's a little bit lucky. I think he's maybe got away with it being um, a busy lap one incident, and because they they do look at things slightly differently when it's lap one, lot of cars in motion off the grid, and I think maybe he's got away with it because of that. I think in a normal scenario, he'd have probably got called up for causing a collision. If I'm honest, yeah. But, I mean, it's very similar to other incidents that we've seen that have received penalties. And I, I think it, the the justification that, that they would say for not giving a penalty is it's on a busy opening lap um, where space yeah. is a lot, a lot tighter anyway. And I think that's why. So I think he's a little bit lucky, but I can kind of see why he didn't get a penalty mm. as well. Then again, like, look, do you remember... I don't know which of the two Silverstone races it was, but when Albon and Magnussen came together um, and mm. took Magnussen out of the race, and Albon got a penalty for that, and that was the first lap of the race. Oh, and if anything, yeah. I would say this incident with Leclerc and Stroll was probably a bit more egregious than that one. Yeah, um, like the, the, You can understand there'd be a bit more lenient on lap one because, you know, drivers only have two eyes in the, the day and there's cars all over the place, but yeah, I know. I'm with you. I think he was a bit lucky to get away with that. Yeah, it was a shame for Stroll because that racing point was a. Uh, it was looking. It was on. It yeah. was on point. It was on point, wasn't it? Was it was on yeah, point. Yeah. It was on point for lots of racing points. I feel like mm. there was all this talk about the Stroll and Perez battle, and then um, there was the two races um, 
that Perez missed. And I feel like ever since he's come back, one or the other of them have had some kind of problem every race. We've yeah. not really seen a proper <laughs> yeah, a proper race where we actually see what they can both do on the same track at the same time. Yeah. I want Hulkenberg versus Hulkenberg. Just put Hulkenberg in both cars. <laughs> in both Two cars. Hulkenbergs. <laughs> Two Hulkenbergs, one in each car. <laughs> Clone him. <laughs> Speaking of Perez, he sort of hinted over the weekend that we might be hearing something about what he's doing next year sooner rather than later. Um, Ooh, that's interesting. So I suspect the answer will be Haas, but... I yeah. hope so. I think he, he, he'll make a difference at Haas. Yeah, I think so too. Mm. Um, I kind of wish that sentence had gone the lines of, speaking of clones... <laughs> hey, you guys! It took me a second. That took me a second. That one, Tom. <laughs> I'm disappointed. It went to Perez's contract and not clones. <laughs> Speaking of Perez, we kind of already mentioned it, but yeah, he had a really, really ropey start on the dirty side of the track. But yeah, he kept those soft tires going for 20 laps and still brought it home fourth, which was a really impressive drive from him. I thought. Yeah. yeah, well, that drive. Yeah, with oh, sorry, I'm going to distract from this really quick, but um, that's why I think Hamilton probably would have still won the race. Actually, that that was the point I was meant to make earlier, and then I didn't. Um, if if Stroll, if Perez can make the softs last as long as he did in the in the in last year's Mercedes, then mm-hmm. Hamilton. There's no reason why Hamilton wouldn't have been able to do the same and still win yeah, the race. maybe he didn't when lose Hamilton- a position. Make his first I mean, pit stop. Hamilton made his pit, uh, first 16. pit stop on around lap 15, 16, something 16, like that. 16, yeah. yeah. Um, so not that long before Perez. No, and to be fair, he wanted to stay out longer. It was the team that kind of forced him to come. Yeah, it was because he had to take the penalty, didn't he? That's why. They did. They deemed yeah. that he has to take a penalty. Yeah, I think probably, once you've deemed you need a, a penalty, then... Yeah, well, they probably worked out a spot that he would come back out into well, it's not even that seconds. it's it's when you when you're told you have a penalty you have three laps to take the penalty don't you yeah not not a timed penalty like oh that. actually no the time that's, when it comes that's, really? that's a drive yeah through really or a stop go yeah a time a timed penalty like that will be applied to your next pit stop unless you don't have another pit stop but obviously we're always going to have at least yeah. one because they're the mandatory change so yeah. a time penalty like that you can what i was what i was unsure of is if you can stack them because obviously, if you've got two drive-throughs or two stop yeah. and goes, you can't stack them. But with mm. that, because they're just both time penalties, they're either stacked at the end of your race if you don't stop again, or they're stacked on your stop if you yeah. if you stop. Um, yeah. So you you're always going to serve them. But that's yeah, interesting. The time penalty, that's how they, those work. I, I, I did wonder well. that when I saw him when I saw him pit. I did wonder if they were going to make him come in again. Yeah, no. I, it, only if one had, only if they'd have been drive-throughs or something, something like that. Yeah. But because they were set time penalties, he just took them at the that pit. That would have been harsh, wouldn't it? To make him yeah. come in again would have been the nail I in the coffin. I bet as well if they, if they wanted to, if they thought it would have been strategically advantageous, I bet they could have only taken five seconds at the pit stop and had the other five seconds added on at the end. Like if they maybe saw a gap that they would be able to put him into with a five-second stop, but not a 10-second stop. Because they were mm. technically two separate penalties, weren't they? They just elected yeah. to take them both simultaneously. I don't I don't know how the rules are specifically. I'd be interested like to know the, that. The, 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 gen, the general thing that I've just mentioned is kind of the general summary of the rules, but I don't know 
what it's like with stacking time penalties. Yeah, yeah. Let's let's not. That's a rabbit hole. Let's not go down. <laughs> yeah. Uh, Renault. Renault had a really strong race. Ricardo fifth, Ocon seventh, uh, moving them five points behind racing points and seven behind McLaren in the battle for third in the championship, which is hotting up massively at this point. Yeah. Um, both championships have closed up ridiculously. Uh, Ricardo got that despite a five-second penalty um, with one of the best radio messages I've ever heard as well. When they told him he'd got a penalty, <laughs> he's just like, I'll drive faster then. Sorry about that, guys. And they're like, yeah. all right, cool. Yeah, yeah. go on then. And, and he just did yeah. and got on with it. Like, it was nice. You don't hear that very often. Normally, when you hear drivers being told I've got a penalty, it's immediately, what What for? Why did I do? I didn't do anything wrong. Yeah. Argue this. Yeah, like, whinge, get, whinge, get, whinge. Yeah. Yeah. And he's just like, oh, my bad. <laughs> I'll get on with it. <laughs> <laughs> nice to see. Yeah, um, it's very sporting. It is, yeah. Yeah. He's, I mean, he is. That's that's kind of who he I'm, is, isn't it? You don't hear him. It's, it's very Danny Rick, isn't it, is what it is. <laughs> yeah. It's like, okay, just go on with it then. Yeah. Uh, it also moves Ricardo up to sixth place in the equally ridiculously tight um, driver standings. It's now... So from fourth place down, Norris on 65, Albon 64, Ricardo 63, Leclerc 57, Stroll 57, Perez 56. Like, mad. Any one of about eight drivers could finish fourth in this championship at this point. That's insane. Yeah, it's going to go it's right a, it's just the wire It's just such well. a shame that Mercedes is so dominant this year because it would be so... I suppose yeah. we'd be all lamenting Red Bull for being so quick at this point because the Red Bull got quite a lot of points, haven't they? But still, like, it is a you know, shame there's one dominant, dominant team and the rest of them are yeah. all sort of scrapping with each other. You know what's interesting about that scrap for fourth is Leclerc behind Ricardo has had two podiums this season, don't forget. Yeah. And Ricardo's had none. And yet he's, what is it, mathematically six points ahead of him. Mm. It's like Leclerc is either on the podium or nowhere, whereas yeah. Ricardo is like consistently <laughs> just off it. Yeah, it's mm. like he shows the the complete swinging nature of that Ferrari right now. Yeah, he really does. Yeah. So um, I have a theory, or I heard a theory today, and I've adopted that theory. Oh, oh yeah. Um, share it with us all. So Ferrari, obviously oh. very, very, very slow this season. Mm. Um, massive budget, absolutely huge budget. Um, shouldn't be. Let's, you, I think we're unanimous in agreeing that they shouldn't be down in sixth in the Constructors' no. Championship, nope. given the heritage and given the the people that work there and the, the amount of money that just gets pumped into that team every year. The facilities, everything. They're such a well-established team. They have got no yep. business being position six in the Championship. In 2022 and, and next season as well, the regulations change that the lower down you are in the championship, the more wind tunnel time you get. <laughs> mm. Oh God. So, he's, going, he's going for the American. We're going to tank the season to get number one draft pick. method. Yeah. Here, aren't you? That's the <laughs> yeah. theory here. <laughs> so if they finish low down the order and they've, they've got 74, they're in sixth, they've got 74 points to Alpha Tauri's 59. And let's, let's face it, Alpha Romeo, Hassel, Williams, they're not going to, they're not going to get, they're gonna. They're not gonna catch that up. No. Um, so they might finish as low as seven because Alpha Tauri are, are, are doing really well at the moment. Guys, they, they had are, a decent yeah. race. Kvyat had an okay race too. Um, 
if they so if they finish this season down in seventh next season when they're developing for 2022 big time developing for 2022 they'll get way more wind tunnel time than mercedes red bull mm. mclaren racing point renault probably avatari um could it be that they are doing that they're tanking this season knowing they're not going to beat mercedes in this era like they're not going to win this championship so why even bother trying to win this championship when they know they can pick up all that wind tunnel time and potentially make an absolute demon car with all that budget and all those brains and dominate from 2022 because Mercedes I mean, aren't going to get anything like the same amount of wind tunnel time that Ferrari going to get close. at this rate. We've already talked about the fact that they're probably they're probably already sacked off next season anyway because they're basically going to be running near enough the same car. They know they're not going to be able to develop themselves out of this hole. And I guess that's just another reason why if you're a team that's financially in Ferrari's position, it actually it makes be beneficial a lot of to have a furlough year. <laughs> like, Basically, yeah. yeah. Yeah, it's an interesting one. Like Lower teams won't be able to afford to do that because they need as much prize money as they can to keep going. But Ferrari aren't short of a, a dollar or two. Yeah, exactly. And Mercedes are in the sort of desirable and yet undesirable position of having such a dominant mm. car that they're even if they didn't develop into next season, I mean, they're going to have to develop something into next season because the rules change slightly, but even if they do a sort of okay job of it, they're still going to be the fastest car next season. Yeah. And it's why... So they're still going to finish first. So they're still going to have no win tunnel time. And they could mm-hmm. end up in 2022 with a car that, really really suffers compared to some of the others it's gonna it's, i think those rules will pull the field together and the more advantage ferrari can get with their resources at this yeah. point you know the better for them they're gonna it's, it makes a lot of sense to me i do sort of provisionally really like this system for that reason like it's not as cut and dry as like success ballast or balance of power stuff it's we're going to limit the time you have to develop, but you still, ultimately, it's still up to what you do with that time. Like, yeah. like I think we said at the time, like you could give us three all the time in the world to design an F1 car and we wouldn't do as good a job as Mercedes would do in a day. So, you know, it, it still comes down to the talent you have and what you're able to do in the time you're given. Mm. It's an interesting but- thought though. Very interesting thought. Do, do, yeah. It's a shame because it's not really what the rules are designed for. You know, you, it's not. It's not. The idea good. wasn't for the, one of the top teams to bin off a year and mm-hmm. and then have a huge, huge advantage. You know, when the when the when the formula changes, like that, that wasn't the idea. But that the way things are going, that's probably the way it's going to go. It's going to be Ferrari yeah. dominant at least initially. So. I'm I'm saying it now, right now. It's Monday, the twenty eighth of September. It's seven thirty in the <laughs> evening. Ferrari will win the championship in twenty twenty two. I'm saying oh, that right mark now. Mark your calendars, people. Get yeah. your bets on now. Yeah, that's it. Fight me in the comments. Carlos <laughs> Sainz has made the choice of a lifetime because he'll get to come second to Charles Leclerc. Yeah, he will. <laughs> no, actually, you know what? That would be a fascinating, wouldn't it? Wouldn't that be a fascinating would, first season of the new formula? Science v. Leclerc. We could be getting teed up here for an absolute demon of a year of Formula One. But Plus we'll yeah, have, um, McLaren will have a car they've actually designed around a Mercedes engine at that point as well. 
The other piece of evidence, sorry, one more piece of evidence to this clause. The cause, sorry, the um, the Ferrari's slower than the, the, you know, than the Alfa Romeo and the uh, Haas at, at times. There are times yeah. when the yeah. Haas is quicker, way quicker than the Ferrari. Yeah, Vettel so, stood behind Giovinazzi for a big chunk of this race. Yeah. yeah, and since when did the Ferrari number one team be ever be slower than the yeah. customer team? Never. Ever? I think, and I think that's what's given them away a little bit this weekend because they Maybe. were much slower at times. Either that, or they've literally just switched everything off on Vettel's car and gone. See you later, bud. Yeah, Enjoy yeah. Aston Martin. Because <laughs> <laughs> yeah. you ain't getting anything else off Ferrari now. Mm. <laughs> anyway, I took us down anyway. another rabbit hole. I apologise. Yeah, it was a good one. That was an interesting one. It was a worthy one. rabbit hole. Good, good, good uh, hole. Wrap the last few bits. <laughs> Albon and Norris, who are actually the top of that very close uh, championship fight right now, both had pretty ropey races. They both pitied for the hard tyre at the end of the first lap and just kind of struggled to make any progress forward on that tyre and both ended up making a second stop late in the race. Uh, Norris picked up some kind of issue on his car, we think, from running over debris from Sainz's crash at the start. Um, Albon, I haven't seen a reason for why he was so slow other than the fact that that tyre and that car and that driver just didn't gel, I guess. Um I mean, he was. Yeah. Albon was very feisty back there. I'll, I'll give him that. But I, I, it was uh, it was a weird moment where I was watching Norris, um, Russell, and Albon in a three way fight into a corner. I was like, oh, I remember when they used to do this in F two. Yeah. This was amazing. And then I sort of realised, oh, they're battling over fifteenth. This is sad. Yeah, they were the last <laughs> like, three drivers on the road. <laughs> it was like. Uh. <laughs> double-edged sword <laughs> a few stats to finish because we love a good stat here especially when we get them right um, <laughs> which is rare <laughs> which well there was one particular we got egregiously wrong but uh, we, you, we, you're favouring the word egregious a lot today Chris is that my, that's my word of the day I think is it? it's on my word of the day calendar I like it, it's a good word <laughs> Uh, Raikkonen tied Barrichello's record for the most race starts at 322, which means they have now both started 31% of all F1 races ever held. And and at the point Barrichello hit that 322, he had taken part in 37% of all F1 races of all time. What? That's mental. It's crazy, isn't it? I wonder what the percentage... That must make you feel so old. (laughs) Yeah, they they probably overlapped for quite a while, didn't they? Um, yeah, they overlapped for a while, but they they got to be pushing forty something, nearly fifty. Yeah, surely. Because what Barrichello started in the nineties, early nineties, same time as Schumacher. Yeah, he was around then, and, and he went until like twenty thirteen, something like that. Yeah, and obviously Jeez. Kimi's still going. Um, for now, yeah. Well. <laughs> After all this talk of Raikkonen disappearing, it's now, from what I've read, sounding like we're moving towards him actually sticking around for another year. There's a there's a chance in the coming weeks we might get an announcement that he's going to actually stick around for another year. Um, if he, if he doesn't stick around for another year, Alonso will take that record off both of them at some point next season. But mm. Raikkonen might be sticking around to hold on to that record. Yeah, <laughs> I mean, I'm gonna I'm about to trigger one of my workmates here, Dom. I'm sorry for saying this, but 
I'm, I'm not interested in seeing Raikkonen in Formula One. For no, me neither. If it's just going to be around the back and there's not yeah. anything going on with him, then what well, you know what what is he bringing to the table? It's not exactly exciting. I mean, yeah, you know, there's the odd entertaining radio message, but other than that, it's kind of just like it's just poodling around at the back. I don't feel like a world champion deserves to be just petering out the way no. he does. I'd prefer to see, you much prefer to see people go out on a high. Um, rarely happens, sadly. But yeah. I just, about I'd rather see, fact. Yeah, I think when yeah. you've been in Formula One as long as Raikkonen has, I, I lean a little bit more towards the feeling of give someone else a go now kind of thing. Like yeah. in, in, in the kind politest possible way, like, you know, utmost respect to the guy for, for achieving what he's achieved. He's a Formula One world champion, you know, amazing achievement. But there comes a time where it's sort of a little bit, it gets a little bit greedy maybe when there's so many people want to drive those cars. And yeah, I think that's one of the reasons Barrichello looked at stepping away, isn't it? Because he was he di- he went to Williams to try and do what he could to help them. And I think he mm. reached a point where like, there's nothing more I can do mm. here. It's not going to get mm. any better. Exactly. My help. I'm going to let somebody else do this. because Exactly that. And I think I it's the same. I think it's the same situation with Raikkonen. Raikkonen's so frustrated. You can hear it yeah, in his yeah, voice 100%. all the time on the radio. He's so frustrated at that time. Yeah. There must be a, it must be at a point where he feels like he's sort of flogging a dead horse and he's just going through the motions. For most of this season, he seemed to be going through the motions. Yeah, so definitely. I think yeah. I'd much rather a young driver come through. Maybe, you know, maybe Michael, uh, uh, Mick Schumacher when he inevitably wins the F2 championship. Well, maybe got like young drivers queuing up at this point so yeah well, make yeah. space for them yeah I'm, when no, you've I'm, I'm... dedicated such a long time to never promoting young drivers they're mm. going to build up over time exactly yeah <laughs> yeah yeah i'm with you on that i mean to go a step further which can be very controversial i've never really seen the appeal of raikkonen as a driver Whoa. at all to be completely <laughs> wow. honest with you well, well i mean that's, i thought i harsh. was triggering people but goodness you just <laughs> that absolutely harsh. opened up a pack of delitos there chris i'm gonna I, get unsubscribed by so i mean we've just lost finland <laughs> I mean, literally yeah <laughs> that's yeah. it finland's gone huge audience and we're quite popular well. in finland, finland i'll have you know <laughs> we are literally aren't we <laughs> well, we were <laughs> yeah until 30 seconds ago just a disclaimer. That I, I, <laughs> I to say, literally nothing to say to it. Let's just add a disclaimer here that my views do not represent the views of the podcast. Yeah, yeah. If you're going to unsubscribe for anyway, just just block Chris on Twitter. Don't block. I me. mean, <laughs> yeah. I mean, if I'm going to save it for Finland, uh, Chris does own a Valtteri Bottas hat. I do. He, actually, he wears yeah, it mean, to Grand Prix. Yeah, yeah, he I've does. He that. does rep yeah. Valtteri. I've got no quid. problem with Finland or the that. Finnish. Yeah, we're 40 quid. No. <laughs> That's a fun game. <laughs> niche joke is niche. Yeah, proper niche, that one. Shall I explain it? Because they're the best jokes, aren't they? No, I won't. No, it'll, <laughs> it'll get cut anyway. <laughs> For the record, I've got no problem with Finland or the Finnish. In fact, I'd really like to go there. It looks lovely. It Just does. not a big Raikkonen fan. Yeah. Well, but anyway, I'm stop, so I've just saved it by pushing your bot ass love, and <laughs> you just undone it all again. Stop it. He does absolutely genuinely like really like Valtteri Bottas. This is oh, not to sort of flog this it further, does. but like, he, yeah, like I remember like in the days when when he was at Williams, you really, really rated Bottas. Yeah, 
He's, I mean, he's, I always wanted to see him in the Merc at that point, but nowhere near as much as Chris. Yeah. He's, he's Chris one of the few drivers I've like talked up early in their career that's actually yeah. gone on to achieve something. Yeah, yeah it's so true. <laughs> I mean, my, my choice was Marcus Ericsson for that, <laughs> so I'll say nothing. I used to love, I used to love Ericsson in F two. Oh, Ericsson, Verline, Ocon. Um, who do you think's better, Chris, uh, Russell or Bottas? Ooh. Careful. <laughs> I know. I'm, I'm cruel, aren't I? I'm sorry. <laughs> I actually think if you put both of them in the same car tomorrow, I think it would be very close between the two. Uh, I do. <laughs> I do. I think it would be really close. That is the most Chris answer to that question ever. It is, isn't it? On the fence. <laughs> um, right, I'm going to do these last two stats and then I can move us on. Sebastian Vettel also reached his 250th F1 start this weekend. Um, I wish it didn't. It was quiet. Well, for the way it went. (laughs) They gave him a nice cake before the race, and I think that was about the highlight of his weekend, unfortunately. Um, Hmm. There's not much that can be said, really, is there? Um, Vettel's creeping up there with the, the race starts records, though. He's in the top five, I think, now. Yeah, he will be with that. Yeah. Um... If he does a few more years at Aston Martin, maybe he'll be uh, bothering that record as well. And then the last stat, uh, Mercedes have now broken Ferrari's record for the longest time as reigning Constructors' Champions at 2,178 days, which dates back to the Russian Grand Prix in 2014. Wow. Well, However, the one record everyone spent the whole weekend talking about, which is Schumacher's win record, remains yeah. unbroken for the time. Being. Really, really glad I spent Friday and Saturday scrambling around I to make sure our uh, Hamilton content was in order. Yeah, <laughs> I said to Tom on the weekend, actually, imagine after all this build-up, Hamilton now doesn't win a race for the rest of the season. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, like imagine if he doesn't. Like, that's the crazy thing. Like The stranger things have happened, but... Would have to be very strange. Yeah, Yeah. very strange. Can I trouble you both for a driver of the day? I mean, after the race ended, I was firmly in Perez's camp for this one, I think. Yeah, I could could, could go with that. I mean, he was pretty solid all day, and he was was well ahead of the rest of the pack. He had to make a few moves to to get it to pay off after his stop. Yeah, he was on the more difficult strategy. Yeah, he, he made it work, so... And and it was like you say, it was the we've talked about it already, the soft tires. Um, which mm. was definitely the more difficult way to go about things and he, he managed to bring it home fourth. Yeah. So best of the rest. Mm. I could go for that. I I have no argument against that. I'm gonna throw a name in there just because I think it's worth mentioning, and that's Antonio Giovanazzi. Seventeenth on the Whoa. grid to eleventh in arguably the worst car, maybe the second worst car on the grid with the worst engine. Um it's a shame he couldn't get that one more position to grab a point, really. Um, yeah. Very good drive, though, I thought. But I do I th- remember seeing some good defense and some good overtake mm. from Antonio, to be fair. Yeah, it was it was a really solid drive. I just wish he had got that extra position for a point. I think if that was the case, I'd probably be flying the flag for him right now. But as it is, I can probably go along with Perez. Perez, Perez it is. Yeah. Perez it is. That that down. Nice. What about a move of the day? Mm, move of the day. Oh. Um, I mean, there were a few decent ones, weren't there? I don't know if any 
massively stood out as wow that's amazing there are a few like um, nice duels that went on for a while like there was the russell yeah. album norris one that you mentioned um and then there was a norris album gasly duel towards the end of the race as well which was sort yes. of quite fun to watch mm. is the one that you've got listed here perez ricardo turn three is that the one where perez went up the inside of ricardo it is yeah he kind of yeah, that, had that to go nice into one. turn two and then did a switch back yeah, yeah. That, that was, was probably the cleanest. I think that, yeah, that was probably the cleanest, neat and tidy, sort of most meaningful moon mm. move. Move. The only other the one day. that stuck out to me was uh, Giovinazzi went around the outside of Grosjean um, at turn two. So the was... slowest car on the second slowest car. Yeah, which, <laughs> which is why I put it down, actually, because if that was like Hamilton overtaking Grosjean, then, well, it's a formality. But the fact that yeah. it was Giovinazzi means it was actually a, a pretty decent move under the circumstances. <laughs> yeah, that's fair. That is fair. Um, yeah. It's niche. <laughs> it is niche. <laughs> but, it, but it's fair. Um, I could happily go with either of those, though. I think I mean, I'm, I'm Perez, Ricardo. Yeah, the Perez one. A double award for me. Perez. Double Perez. It's a winner in our books. And then finally. Honestly, what the f- are we doing here? Oh, I love it so much, that message. Um, <laughs> the, f- the first I mean, thing the I wrote down when I thought of this, Bottas's B. That <laughs> yeah. was the we- one of the weirder things I've ever heard a racing driver say. Like in the post-race interview, it was like, yeah, I was I wanted to have a go into turn one, but I missed my breaking point because a massive B hit my face. We were like... What did I mishear that? <laughs> yeah. Just driving to a massive bit. What was more know? WTF was um uh oh my god. I've forgotten the name of the bloody what's his chops? Stu's lost David Croft. David Croft his pun after that oh. was just just appalling. He's buzzing after that, Quinn. Yeah, I bet he's buzzing after that. Just said to you, no. in the tail. Stop like, it. Be quiet, David. The second Ugh. he heard the word B, you could almost hear the cogs whir <laughs> yeah. in his brain to like yeah. cue up some puns. Just yeah. stop. <laughs> Speaking of commentary, though, um, worth saying how good a job Karun did. Karun, yeah. Karun did an awesome job. Really, really good, I thought. Big in time, fact, yeah, yeah. The whole team like sky were missing their main presenter um this weekend as well and i thought rachel brooks did a really good job of stepping into those shoes um i, th- I mean we'll always miss martin brundle because he is the best in the world at that the job. legend yeah he's but the best in the business i thought on a, on a sort of bit of a skeleton crew i thought they did a really really good job i didn't really miss the normal team yeah. quite so yeah. much speaking well, of amazing tv presenters what past ted kravitz this morning oh was, ted? i think he'd oh. gone in for his covid test <laughs> having a little chat with someone in the reception area. It's quite a. Did he have little, his notebook? Made my. Uh, you know, you ever get you get those. You occasionally get those feelings where you walk past someone and you get a bit excited about where you were. <laughs> yeah. That that was one of those this morning. I meant to WhatsApp you both, but I I was too busy, so I didn't. It's when you could walk past any of the like big wigs there and feel nothing. But we walk past Ted. It's like oh, Ted. Yeah. Ted. Yeah. I did. It made me feel really happy. It is. <laughs> <laughs> The other things I wrote down was just turn to as a whole, as an entity. Mm. Like, what are they doing there? But, I mean, at least at yeah. least turn two made. Um, we talk about how boring a race Sochi is. As far as Sochi races go, this one was actually fairly eventful, and I mean, it wasn't necessarily the best race 
in the season and it won't be one to like live in the memory for ages but in terms of Sochi races I think it was alright I think it was about as good as you could hope for from that yeah. track wasn't it and I, the Which only is... thing go, the only thing going for turn 2 is that he added to that true. It, it created some of that drama yeah I think, I think... science for me yeah, it's yeah. just signs just I'd, driving I'd into a wall. Doing that one. Yeah, just straight up driving into a wall. Yeah, yeah. And, and Norris's reaction afterwards just really kind of. Yeah, that, that really set me. that one off really yeah. nicely. Yeah, yeah. yeah. <laughs> <laughs> and thankfully, he's okay. Is the main thing. Like, yes, know, it, it, was, yeah. it was obviously some sort of mistake. And nothing um, harmed, but his pride. Yeah, didn't yeah. cause a chain reaction either, which was entirely possible yeah. with a crash. Like yeah, that. yeah, it could have been awful. Could have been really bad. But yeah. Got a bit lucky, but definitely WTF for me. That that kind of wraps up that. Um, Stu, do you want to give us some takeaways while you're waiting for your takeaway? Yep. Sponsored by Deliveroo. <laughs> St- still waiting for all that credit to, to show up in my Deliveroo account, but you know. Make sure we mention them all. In, Uber Eats, just eat. Yeah, in, in um, your own time, Uber Eats and Deliveroo. Grabs, anything. Grabs, what's give that? It's something that's probably northern, but it works. All right. How do you spell that? Is that with a Z? <laughs> give us money. Is, is that all modern? Uh, no, it's an S. Oh, is it an S? Oh, they missed a yeah, trick yeah. there. Anyway, um, <laughs> Will Bottas shine at his favourite track? We asked last week. Um, well, he, I guess he kind of did, didn't he? Like he kinda won did. it. He won. He shone. Yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah. So he was, <laughs> that answers that one. He keeps <laughs> up his um, Friday champion status because he just he's fastest yeah. on Friday, pretty much everywhere. Fastest yeah. on a Friday, Valtteri Bottas. That's what they'll put on his uh, gravestone eventually. <laughs> Fastest on a Friday. Um, will Vladimir Putin show up three laps from the end, and will he be wearing a face mask? We well, we don't. We'll never know that one. He, he didn't appear on screen, and no, I don't think he was there. No, I don't think I saw him. Yeah, I never saw him. All the room <laughs> of awkward didn't happen because obviously no room of awkward. In in terms days. of like. Expect him on the podium potentially and face masks and gloves yeah. and stuff. The thing that I pointed out to Chris at the time oh. was these, I'm surprised I didn't remember this for WTFs, but the way that the officials that were giving out the trophies, he was so happy to be there that when he fist bumped each driver, he kind of did the you know, you pull your hand back and you like go <laughs> with your hand and you do you do the little explosion. Yeah, he fist bumps yeah, all the drivers and like goes <laughs> and I was like, that guy is loving fist what bumping some F one drivers. Like, I love it. <laughs> I am yet to meet a politician. I've, I mean, I'm yet to meet a, meet a politician full stop, probably, but <laughs> I'm yet to witness a pol- an actual politician do a boom after a fist bump. Even yeah, do a fist a bump in the first place. Imagine, imagine um, the... Oh, let's think of one. Imagine Matt Hancock fist bumping someone. <laughs> <laughs> well, you may have noticed as well that all the drivers kept their gloves on on the podium. Yes. And that was another part of the race director notes was it kind of updated the podium procedures and like they weren't allowed to to have a drink after the race until a certain point and they had to keep their gloves on. But my favorite part was it said, if on the podium you are offered a handshake, you should politely offer a fist bump in response. That's amazing. (laughs) It does say that. It's the greatest race director's note of all time. Yeah. (laughs) Any note that says offer a, a pol- politely offer <laughs> yeah. a fist bump how do you even politely offer a fist bump like i'm not do you sure raise your fist and then raise your eyebrows <laughs> <laughs> care to partake in a fist bump kind sir <laughs> like what how does that work it's so weird oh i love it only in formula one um mm. where will the midfield battle go next um well it went 
places, didn't it? Like it was, <laughs> it was exciting to see the the uh, racing points doing something again. Um, Ricardo gave us some interesting stuff. To, I mean, there was loads of action in the midfield, wasn't there? I, I feel like that Renault is getting stronger all the time. To yeah. be honest, like I was, I was dubious at first, and I thought maybe it's just like a, a straight line low aero thing that they've got going on, but. They are starting to prove that pretty much wherever they go, they can compete in that midfield. So mm-hmm. I think maybe some of the updates are just starting to come together to them, which is, I mean, it's an ideal time for them, isn't it? For, for things yeah. to start coming together. Yeah, it really yeah. is. It's important now. So the, the the really sort of, I don't know if we mentioned the constructed standings earlier, but it's, it has got really, really tight. So Renault yeah. have actually dropped a position this week. They've gone down to fifth from fourth. Yeah, um, the um, Perez fourth place, did, wasn't it? Move them up. Exactly, yeah. So they're on Renault were on ninety nine points, um, Racing Point one hundred and four, and McLaren one hundred and six. So McLaren clinging on yeah. to third. I've, I, Science has not done them any favors this week by no, um, really well, not. dropping all, all those points. So yeah, he's, he's had a couple of early incidents, so he needs mm. to get on top of that. Put us all on the spot right now. Who's going to get third place at by the end of the season? Well, end of season. Oh god, yeah, that's three of just them. it's Who's too. Take I'm it? sorry, Chris, but I'm not going to take. I'm, it's too close to call. I'm not. I'm, I can't answer that. No, it I will be either w- McLaren, Racing Point, or Renault. <laughs> a true Chris Evans. It really is. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Too well yeah. I'm, I mean, to your own I'm, medicine, sunshine. <laughs> on, on current form for both driver and car, I would say Renault have got a good chance of closing that gap and maybe taking it. Because the problem that Renault, and, uh, sorry, Racing Point and McLaren seem to be having at the minute is finishing the race. Yeah. Like, yeah. There's always one or the other going out for some reason, mm. or sometimes mm. both. Uh, whereas Renault, from memory, are finishing decently. Like maybe they're not getting as high a position as mm. McLaren or the Racing Points at times, but they're consistently finishing. That start about. Um, Ricardo before where he's not had a podium yet and Leclerc's had two but he's behind him I mean that shows Ricardo's consistency in that yeah car. consistency so is key I think that based on that Renault might be in with a shout for it it depends on if McLaren and Mason Point yeah I think back in check I think it comes down to I, my feeling on it is is similar, but I think I'm leaning more towards like a strong driver lineup, and I think of those yeah. teams, probably the strongest driver lineup, and it's reflecting in where they are now is McLaren. Mm-hmm. So yeah. I I don't think this will change. I think McLaren will find the form again, and they they will finish third. Um, and if you had to put sort of you you sort of, I guess you if you want me to say third, fourth, fifth. I'd say McLaren Renault Racing Point. Who do you think? Yeah, yeah, because I just think the Racing Point driver lineup is isn't doing the business. Yeah, I mean it is worth remembering that Racing Point are have been docked fifteen points. The fact that they're still that that close, even with that, is you know reflects well on them. Um, But they should be third, shouldn't they? In that, in that, they should should be third. But based on that, you would expect them to still be outscoring them to that rate. But yeah, Yeah. I'm not sure they will. Um, next, talking uh, Verstappen. Can Verstappen <laughs> close the gap to the Mercs after two retirements in a row? Well, he kind of did, didn't he? He was, he yeah. was sort of in. He, he was in between the two. Even in qualifying, he managed to sort yeah. of put it in between the two. So the answer to that question would be yes, he did. He did close yeah. the gap to a degree. Yeah, he he keeps getting that. Red Bull one position higher than it really should be, doesn't he? Which is kind of the story yeah, of his season. Than you'd expect it to be, yeah, yeah. 
one of his radio messages at the end of the race was key where he's like saying he said something like it's a good day guys we've we've split the two cars again or some something to that effect like he was he made a point of we've split them and that's that's the best we can do really at the minute and yeah he's he's not wrong is he exactly so, yeah yeah hmm. Um, shall I go through some predictions? Yes. Yeah, let's. Um, oh, right. Well, in terms of us, Stu had the best weekend, getting two points. Uh, got the Hamilton, uh, <laughs> Hamilton fastest in Q3, and 18 finishes. Knew I'd live to regret not going 18, like <laughs> I said. Um, Chris got a single point for the Bottas win, where we all thought you were crazy. Um, Keep the faith. Yeah. And no one was anywhere near with. Norris, but I'll come to that in a minute. Yeah. Uh, in terms of the listeners, uh, Sarah English was best this week with the Lewis Q3, the Bottas win, and 18 finishes. So a good good weekend for Sarah. Nice combo uh, there. Being top scorer on three points. Um, in terms of the other sort of harder to score bits, um, Sam Williams was the only person to get any points for Lando's position. Um, and he only got half a point for saying 11th. Wow. Lando finished 15th, and he was literally the only person who didn't have him in the points. <laughs> I yeah, mean, which that's... is why Sam earned half a point there for 11th. It's nice to know our listeners collectively have a lot of faith in Lando Norris, I guess. Yeah. Yeah. So, uh, and then namesake and still mysterious enigma Tom Ling <laughs> was the only person to uh, have signs down as a first DNF, so was the only person to uh, hit. It's... Still don't believe that that's a real person. <laughs> I mean, if it's doing better than me, I'll say it's me. <laughs> if, it, if they're not, then... <laughs> Outed. <laughs> no. Um, in terms of the overall standings, that sees Nathan Bailey in the lead at the moment with 20 points and Richard Garvey behind on 19. Then there's a queue behind them in joint third. Um, after that comes our own Stu in sixth. With yeah. 17 and a half Creeping points. up. Um, terrible weekend for me. Drops me to 40th. Oh. 14. And uh, Chris, I think, creeps up a place maybe to 90. Yeah, I think so. Double digits. Uh, I'm catching you yeah, up. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> uh, and you're on 11 points overall. Uh, and if anyone hasn't joined Predictions League yet, make sure you do. There's more and more of you each week, which is always nice to see. Uh, but just head to backofthegrid.com where you can register. Mm. And join in because there's always a prize if anyone gets a full five out of five in a weekend, uh, and then there's obviously a prize for the season winner overall. So it's never too late to join in. So head over if you do want to get involved. Yes, a uh, couple of quick bits of news. The first one, which happened immediately after we released the last podcast, <laughs> in true back of the grid style, uh, Stefano Domenicali is going to be replacing Chase Carey as president and CEO of Formula One as of the beginning of next year. Uh, he was at Ferrari for 23 years. He took on the team principal job from 2008 to 2014. And since then, he's been head of the single seat commission at the FIA. Uh, and he's been the CEO of Lamborghini for the last four years, uh, which has been kind of a period of that company uh, sort of turn their fortunes around and go from strength to strength. Um, and it just seems to be a very positive appointment across the paddock, doesn't it? Um, everyone seems... Yeah genuinely happy that he's going to be the man taking the helm he's a a very popular figure it seems yeah he's a he's a true f1 person isn't he he, he yeah gets like it. the way he's risen through the ranks as well from where he started at ferrari to to where he is now is also quite impressive yeah he literally left university got a job at ferrari and just mm. as i say spent 23 years there working his way up so 
yeah, really, yeah. really positive news, I think. Uh, Chase Carey is going to remain involved in F1, but in a non-executive uh, chairman role. Um, and I think I think he's done a lot of good for the sport in the time he was there. Um, he said over the weekend that he thinks the fact that he came into the role as someone from outside of the sport was what it needed at that point in time. But now we've at this point in time it um makes more sense to have someone who knows the sport and yeah knows the people to carry on taking it forward so it's yeah. it's interesting this because it, it just to quickly say it comes back to kind of a point that we we touched upon in the last couple of weeks i can't remember exactly when it was and what we were saying is that the burning era had a couple of things that were right this era has got some stuff there's way improved from that era but as still things are still a bit odd you kind of need that middle road fingers crossed Domenicali is the guy to kind of get us in that middle road where it's not so far down the commercial side that it's cheesy and annoying yeah but it's not so strict and stringent where it was with Bernie that it feels like it's difficult to enjoy sometimes exactly, you, yeah. you want that middle bit and hopefully he's kind of the right person he feels like the right person to do it. it yeah definitely yeah. Um, uh, we'll do a really quick Formula 2 wrap-up as well. Uh, the feature race was won by Mick Schumacher after another really, really impressive drive from him ahead of Sonoda and Eilat. The sprint race got abandoned after seven laps after a massive crash uh, between Aitken and Giotto. Uh, thankfully, they were both okay, but they sort of ended up barreling underneath the tech power barriers and kind of find themselves in between. And then I think Giotto's car caught fire. Really nasty crash. Um, <clears throat> but yeah, glad they were both okay. That actually gave uh, Zoo his first F2 victory, which really surprised me. I thought he'd picked up one or two last season, to be honest, but this was actually his first F2 victory in slightly strange circumstances, albeit for half points because they only did seven laps. Um, that Nemin Schumacher's lead in the championship has increased to 22 points from Eilat, uh, with only four races remaining, uh, the two rounds in Bahrain. Sonoda's now back into third place uh, after Lungard and Schwartzman both failed to score any points. There's now only seven points covering third to sixth place in the championship. <laughs> um, and given right. that it's the top four that give you enough super license points for uh, an F1 seat, that third to sixth battle is going to be intense, intense coming into the last yeah. few rounds. Yeah, <clears throat> big time. So yeah, keep an eye on that for who's going to be in F1 next year, basically. Mm. Yeah. And sh- let's finish up with a bit of inbox. Is. <laughs> keep it safe now. Who wants to take the first one? I'll take the first one. Um, Molly says, Is it fair that Charles didn't get a penalty for taking Lance Stroll out of the race? It seemed very similar to Lewis and Albon's Austria incident, but no penalty given. Um, No, I don't think it was fair because, as we already said earlier, it it was very similar and it seems a bit inconsistent. Yeah, I don't think there was any more or less intent than there was in that Lewis and Albon incident or in the Albon and Magnussen one that we mentioned. So I don't like to have a go at stewards. It's a very difficult job, but this weekend did feel a bit ropey in terms of stewarding, I thought. Yeah, they were yeah. quite busy at that point as, as well, yeah. as to say. So maybe that's mm. the way it, it sort of escaped. I don't know. Do you have an opinion, Tom? I'm kind of covered it a bit earlier on, don't I? I think he's yeah. a little bit lucky to have got away without one. And if there's any excuse to go their way, it would probably be the first lap incident kind of ruling that they sometimes have. But yeah, I think he's lucky to not have had a penalty. 
Um, and next, we have a West Coast boat says, <laughs> uh, what do we think about the interesting driver swap by Renault? I think on paper, it was the right thing to do at that time. Ricardo was definitely faster at that point. Um, it's just a shame he cocked it up so much, really. In fact, I, yeah. I was, was going to mention that for WTF, getting a penalty for running off the track when overtaking your teammate who's slow to almost a stop to let you by. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It, it was a bit daft, wasn't it? <laughs> yeah. I mean, well, the fact that Ricardo ended up where he did as well, despite yeah. the penalty probably shows it was the right thing to do because the reason was that Ocken had had a, a couple of chances at whoever was in front of him at the time. I can't remember who it was. Was it Leclerc? Uh, yes, I think it was. Yeah, it was. Uh, so, And I think without that swap, that probably would both have finished behind Leclerc. So, Yeah, so I think it was probably the right yeah. thing to do. Oh, God, I've just seen the next question. Next, Liam says, <laughs> what do you think of the speculation coming out about Mikasalo leaking steward decisions to the Finnish media? Do you think anything will come of this, well, or is it just something that will be swept under the rug and forgotten about in a few weeks? Here goes my evening. Go on, lads, <laughs> have at it. <laughs> so, so if you haven't heard about this, essentially, um, before the warm-up lap had begun, the Finnish commentators said that a source had told them that Hamilton was going to be getting two five-second penalties and at the time they said two lots of two penalty points, which would be a race ban for him. Um, whether that is misinformation or just the commentator misreading that it was two individual penalty points rather than two lots of two, I don't know. Um, the dodgy thing, I mean, obviously the fact that they're getting information before everybody else in the first place is dodgy, but Mikasalo, who was a driver steward, when he's not being a driver steward, he's a commentator for Finnish TV, which I mean, we should say this is all allegedly. No, there's yeah. there's no facts about this. Allegedly, this is what's happened, but it doesn't look good. Things shouldn't be coming out of the mm. steward's room other than the stewards giving their official uh, yeah, notices yeah. of things. It'd be like Johnny Herbert sort of speaking to Sky, wouldn't it, and saying, yeah. oh, by the way, we've just decided this. Kind of thing, yeah. Just sneak it like you know, little backhanded kind of little note being passed yeah. under the door. Which, it's just not right. I was talking to my dad about this earlier, who's a fairly casual F1 fan, but he watches F1 all the same. And he said it'd be like Gary Lineker also being in the VAR room for some matches. Like mm. it just sounds mad. Like that would never happen. Mm. You you have one job or the other. It, it's it's more fuel for the stewarding should be a job done by a set of people and they do every race fire because you know we talk about consistency in decisions what yeah. better way to have consistency than have the same people making those decisions i mean there is an easy way to stop what happened and that is to say that they don't use the personal phones at a table well, like literally I mean, the shot they showed on tv the steward's room he'd got his phone yeah. on the desk in front of him so yeah. like yeah. I, I work in a lot of environments that involve sort of GDPR and data protection and all this stuff. You can't have your own personal phone on your desk turned on during the day because you've got highly sensitive data in front mm. of you and there's a risk that you can... The, the, the rule is your phone is not on and it's not at your desk. And I think that's quite a simple rule you could apply to that if if anything is found or basically to avoid any further speculation in the future. Yeah. That's the rule and it stops it happening. I think that's the easy solution. In terms of whether anything will come of it, I mean, at time of recording, there's been no official word on this. All of this comes from 
the Autosport forums and Reddit. So yeah, nothing's going to cover <laughs> this. Is this, this is all they're just going to? It'll always be you know get your get your tin hats out. It's that it, kind it's of going to be swept under the rug. I think, isn't it? Yeah, but I mean, and, and I, I imagine there'll be some quiet well, words so. behind the scenes. I mean, ultimately, commentators yeah. shouldn't be finding out decisions before everyone else because it's it well, is. If, from, if they think he, if they think he's done anything like that, they'll just won't get him in to <laughs> to steward yeah. again. Simple exactly, yeah. you vote with your feet with stuff like this rather than make a massive deal out of it. Just quietly say, "Well, you're not doing that again, mate." Yeah, exactly. I saw someone say like there's there's been a bit of arguments about like maybe it was just like the the commentators and people within the channel like speculating but like the fact that they said it's two five second penalties which has yeah. literally never happened before um, and some people said like if karun chandok the biggest f1 anorak in the world yeah. couldn't pull that out of his hat <laughs> yeah. then nobody's yeah. going to you're right i mean Absolutely i'll take some right. personal credit for tweeting way before it was announced i think this will be end up being a five second penalty similar to certain other things <laughs> nobody knew it was going to be two yeah you only got one <laughs> like <laughs> i only got half of it right even <laughs> still i've got i've not got mika Salo texting me i wish i did <laughs> that'd be quite cool <laughs> you won't now though no <laughs> next <laughs> next one next one um wesley paul says um i know it's a rule uh and all but do you think f1 gave lewis two five second penalties in order to maintain the hype around him breaking schumacher's record they could have easily turned the other cheek and i'm sure they have in the past i can mm. guarantee you that that's not what happened given the amount <laughs> yeah. of effort that has gone into making hamilton breaking schumacher's record content for the last week or two weeks or three weeks however long it's been we've been preparing for this for a long time it was down to the wire with some of the stuff we got it done and then the race didn't happen the, 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 <laughs> the event didn't happen so no because <laughs> we got we got all our work done and we were ready for it and it didn't happen so it's that formula one had never sort of draw out or something <laughs> like that it's just it's just it's just the way the yeah. cookie crumbles sometimes and yep. as we already said, it was a penalty-worthy thing. So, yeah. Next and one. Just a thought as well. Aren't the stewards run by the FIA, not F1? Yes, yes they are. So it's not even the same organisation anyway. No, exactly. Yeah, the FIA just are just the regulator out. of the rules and the sport, and the FIA are the commercial rights holder of the sport. Uh, F1 sorry, the FOM, 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 F1, yeah. FOM are commercial rights holders, but the FIA make the rules. Yeah, there you go. Yeah. Yeah, uh, the next one's got a couple similar ones together. So we've got Julian Hajar saying, uh, how many times is Ocon allowed to lose to Ricardo before someone else is considered for that seat? Uh, and Ali also said, what's your thoughts on Esteban Ocon? When he was at Force India, he looked a real talent with potential to be a future Mercedes driver. Now it seems like he's a midfield driver at best and being comfortable beaten by his teammate this year um, and even asked to let him buy this race. Has the year out of the sport really hurt his career that much or is Ricardo just that good? Will it get even worse for Ocon when Renault's golden boy comes back next year? Hmm. Obviously referring to Mr. Alonso. Yeah, Alonso. I think yeah. Ricardo is that good. I, I do. think so as well. Yeah. I think it's it's a good driver and a great driver. It's the same it's exactly the same at Red Bull and it's exactly the same at Mercedes. You got a good driver racing a great against one of the greats. And yeah. that's all there is to it for me. And I think it's gonna give us a good sort of yardstick to measure Alonso by next season as well. Like we all expect Alonso to come and beat Ocon, but how much he's beating him by compared to Ricardo this season is going to be a good sort of measure of yeah. just how much he's sort of lost over the time he's been gone or not, as the case may be. Um, but yeah, Ocon's not 
super impressing this season, I don't think. Um, I mean, we always said Renault would very much like a French driver in a French car. And sadly, I think that's a lot of the reason why he's there. That's what they've got. Yep. (laughs) Uh, and finally, Thomas Hardesty says, thankfully, due to the Concord agreement, we're a long way off asking what's next for F1. But can F1 and Formula E coexist in the future? Or will Ooh, there be a point where the drivers from one side merge into the other? I'm not an FE fan yet, but I wouldn't want one to eclipse the other. I mean, you could do a whole episode on that. You could. I think the short answer is it's probably inevitable that they're going to merge eventually. Like, like it or not, the world is moving towards electric Going cars. that way. That's mm, just yeah. the way it's going to be. Like, most major cities in the world now have got plans to ban non-electric cars from city centers. Like, it's just the way the world is going. And that doesn't mean it's going to be boring. Like, a lot of the most exciting cars in the world right now are electric cars. And a lot of the fastest yeah. cars in the world right now are electric cars. Um, not so much in motorsport, but it'll get there. Yeah, I think yeah. they will eventually. I mean, I, I, they can't co. They definitely can't coexist together. I think one's o- always going to be faster than the other, and one's always going to be more. One's eventually going to have to take over because, yeah. yeah, Formula One will. We just can't keep going with this engine technology. Eventually, they're going to have to either be all electric fuel cell vehicles or mm-hmm. all electric battery powered vehicles. And yeah, I'm, I guess I'm just repeating what you said, but. And that's yeah. it, it's sort of the opposite of you know all these people who scream to bring back V10s. It's like, well, who's going to make them? Because yeah. Mercedes have yeah. no interest in making VN their V10s whatsoever. And there's going to become a point in time where Mercedes have no interest in making hybrid engines because the only road cars they're making are electric. So yeah, it's coming very. It's it's round the corner. That is round the yeah. corner. It's literally yeah. less than ten years away. That way less than ten years away. Yeah, definitely. And that uh, is about it for this week, I think. Um, Thank you, as always, for joining us. Um, We'll quickly mention, in the coming days, we should be speaking to Maurice Hamilton, uh, F1 journalist whose name you probably recognize because he's been uh, around for some time. He's been to a ludicrous number of races. Um, He has written Formula One, the official history, which we're going to be talking to him about in uh, the very very near future so if you're listening to this probably on the day it comes out you've still got time to send in any questions you'd like us to ask him uh if it's any late the first day it's probably already too late but send him in anyway and we'll see because it's not 100 percent confirmed when we're speaking to him yet but yeah listen out for that in the uh coming weeks from us um Otherwise, if you want to get in touch with us, you can, as always, find us on Facebook and Instagram by just searching Back of the Grid, or you can find us on Twitter by looking up at Back of the Grid F1. Uh, you can also go to backofthegrid.com where you can check out your Predictions League position or sign up for it if you haven't already. It's free and you can win a prize. So please join us. And that will do it, I think. So until next week when we preview the. Ooh, what race is next? It is German, the Eiffel. German Grand Prix. The Eiffel Grand Prix. The Eiffel Grand Prix. Yes, the Grand Prix sorry, yeah, the Eiffel uh, Grand Prix. So until then, goodbye. Goodbye. Bye.
I wonder if Charlie brought my onion. <laughs> <laughs>